You sing it. Do you believe it? The song says enough. He's more than enough for all that I need. He's more than enough. Is he really more than enough? It looks like he's more than enough. You made a choice to give up whatever you could have been doing on a nice, cool fall morning. To come and worship. To share your love of God with those around you in community. And I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing to be together and to come and, and worship him and lift him up and uh, enjoy being in his presence and also um, being in the presence of, of those around you um, in community. It's a great thing. This morning we're going to start a new series entitled Prayer and Faith. And behind me here is a painting that has inspired me many times. And uh, so I finally broke down and, and picked it up. It's nothing like the painting that we heard Bob Goff purchased uh, this week on Wednesday night. Uh, where he said it, it cost him more than his first four cars. Uh, this is not the original. This is a, a fake, right? Like what he would have put up in his, what, what he would have shoved in his closet. This is just a print. So it's just, it's, it's nothing if it, if it falls off or if it gets broke, it's no big deal, all right? But this is a painting that has uh, definitely inspired me. And, and there's a lot of neat things about it. And as we go through the message this morning, I may turn back to it and we may talk about it. Uh, but uh, anyway, take a look at it later on and uh, you'll see what I mean uh, by the inspiration that it, it provides. Patrick, uh, what's his name? Lindquist? Lundquist. Patrick Lundquist painted this painting several years ago, and he actually entitled it Faith. And um, so we're going to kind of use that as our object uh, as we go through this series. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about how they go together. But today we just kind of want to lay a foundation for what faith is all about. And I don't know about you, but for me, faith is one of those things that uh, I've always struggled with in my relationship with God, in becoming a Christian and, and knowing what, it, what faith even is. And um, so I hope this morning it will be able to grab a hold of a few things, maybe a couple of passages of Scripture, maybe a few things that are said that we can lay a foundation uh, that we can build on this morning. How important is it? It's very important. I want you to turn with me in the book of Hebrews. Where would you go? If you wanted to learn about faith, right? You'd go to Hebrews. What chapter would you go to? What chapter would you go to? 11. Hebrews 11, right? That's the faith chapter. We learn about faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go there this morning. You guys were cheating. You were looking at your bulletin, weren't you? No, I think you know where it was. Hebrews chapter 11. Actually, and we're going we're gonna to back up to chapter 10 for just a minute because we want to get a running start. We want to get a running start at this faith chapter. Let's go back to, um, let's see, how far do we want to go back? Let's go back to 35. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Before we go there, let's look to God in a word of prayer. 
Dear God in heaven, we thank you so much for waking us up this morning, giving us a, the breath of life, and giving us a beautiful Colorado morning to wake up to. God, I thank you so much for allowing each and every individual to make an effort to be here this morning, to, to worship together, to worship corporately, corporately um, cooperatively with each other. God, I pray that as we went through our week, that as we, as we worshiped and as we lived out our faith this week, that it built up to um, this moment this morning. God, I pray that we'll enjoy each other's company, that we'll be an encouragement to each other as we're here. God, not to be encouraged, but God, to, to be an encourager of someone uh, here this morning. God, I pray that you'll bless our morning and give us some strength, give us some energy and some boldness and courage to grab a hold of this concept of faith, maybe a little bit more than we did before. Please bless us now. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 35. It says, first, who wrote this book? Does anybody know who wrote this book? Nobody really knows, right? Actually, I think Paul wrote this book. And who did he write it to? Well, he wrote it to who? He wrote it to the Hebrews. He wrote it to the Jewish people. Um, and they were Jewish Christians, but the Jewish Christians had a lot of things that they kind of pulled in with them, right? He kind of pulled a lot of things in with him uh, as they, as they worshiped God in, in the ways that they have. So let's look at it. In verse 35, it says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. I want you to realize that anytime we find the word trust, anytime we find the word believe or belief, or anytime we find the word faith in the scriptures, and especially in the New Testament, they all are very, very similar in meaning, okay? So when we, when we find the word trust, we can insert the word faith. When we find the word faith, we can insert the word belief and basically get the, uh, uh, the same basic idea and concept. So do not throw away this confident trust, faith, belief in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that is promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. My righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Verse 39. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. I like this verse and I like the middle part of it there. It says, We are the faithful ones. When you look back or when you think back of someone in your life that has been faithful, what did that look like? What did it look like for someone in your life to be faithful? Maybe it was a dog, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe it was your grandpa or your grandma or your dad, someone who was faithful. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. What, what does it mean for them to be faithful? When you look back, what does that look like? Well, for me, when I look back at someone in my life who was faithful, that means they continued to do what was expected of them in the role that they were playing, right? They were faithful. They were a faithful grandparent. They were a faithful dad. They were a faithful dog. They were a faithful whatever it is that you want to refer to. 
I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this. Now let's jump over or just continue on uh, there in chapter 11. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earn a great reputation or a good reputation. By faith, we understand that an entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we now see did not come from anything that we can, that could, or can be seen. There was, at one point in time, creation. We weren't there. Therefore, we have to what? Believe that that happened, right? It was by faith, in verse 4, that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Verse 5, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. His dis- he, he disappeared because God took him. For be- before he was taken up, he was known as a person who what? Who pleased God. So now, we get a running start at our verse that we want to look at this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It says, and without what? Faith. Or you could put what? Trust or belief in that place as well. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I can live this perfectly moral life. I can give all my possessions and give to the poor. I can be involved in every, every ministry that's going on in this building. But if I don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. Before we define it, let's mention a couple foundational duh-type ideals that we can pull out of this, this verse. I can believe... Or I can't, rather, believe or have a faith in God if I don't think he exists. Right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe what? That he exists. We have to believe he exists. And I won't trust in God or believe he will do what he says if I don't think he is a rewarder. That's a big piece of who God is. He's the one that's going to reward so let's gain some biblical definition. Can you help me for a few minutes? I need some help up here. These, these concrete blocks are really heavy. We're going to pour some foundation. We're going to build with some blocks. We may even do some blasting to get the old rock out of the way, the old concepts and ideas out of this thick skull, this gray matter, right? Could also be called concrete. Let it sift down through the concrete. Sometimes we have to blast it away in order to get back to the original uh, definition that we need in there. In nearly all of the 18 faith examples in this chapter, they were examples of this one truth. This one truth, this first point, says biblical faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists 
And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Why did they do it? Because they believed. They believed he existed, and they believed that he was the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Jesus lays down some expectations in John chapter 13. Look at it with me. He says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now that you know, do them, right? Trust in him enough to actually follow through with what he says. In trying to figure out our spiritual well-being, in trying to figure out our uh, taking our spiritual temperature, to find out you know, kind of where we are in our relationship with God, I think at times some of the most important verses for us to look at are the ones that we may not necessarily agree with. What? There's verses you don't agree with? There's several verses that I wish weren't there. Anybody else have that feeling once in a while? You come across a passage of scripture, you come across a verse that's like, man, it would be a lot easier for me to operate my life if I didn't have to go along with what God says. If I could just do it my way instead of his way. Funny thing is, every time I figure out, every time I figure out I don't agree, if I will just submit to his word anyway, things go better in my life. We all feel like spiritual giants when we're discussing verses that we agree with. I have people come up to me after sermons and they'll, they'll look at me with this big smile on, my, on their face and, and they'll say things like, I really enjoyed your message today. Those are the times I know that I completely blew it. If they liked it, it means, probably means that they agreed with everything I said. And if that's the case, then well, there's probably not any conviction built. The Holy Spirit really wasn't kind of prying on their hearts to maybe change some things or do some things differently. Faith is tested when we run into those verses that we don't necessarily agree with. Even then is when we need to submit to them. There we find faith. There, we find trust. Look at these examples. James talks about them. And as we read these examples in James chapter 2, I want you to ask this question. Ask yourself this question in your head as we read this passage. Did they want to do what they did? All right? Did they want to do what they did? Look at this verse. James chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. So it happened just as Scripture says. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was called God's friend. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by what? Her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. What do you think, do, did, did they want to do what, they, what God asked them to do? 
Did Abraham agree with this concept of taking his son up on the mountain and offering him as a sacrifice to God? How many of you guys would want to offer your, your one and only son on, a, on an altar to God and sacrifice him, kill him, and put him on the altar? Anybody volunteer for that? I wouldn't. Abraham didn't want to do what he did. Rahab didn't want to do what she did. It was taking great risk on their part to do what they did. But faith drove them. Not just the scriptures we agree with, even the ones we don't. Biblical faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. Number two, biblical faith isn't what rescues us, it's what guides us. It's not what rescues us, it's what guides us. Faith is not a bowling ball that we can, we can throw at our problem bowling pins in our life. No offense, JR, I love bowling, but faith is not like a bowling ball. It's, it's not something that we can just gather as much of it as we can and muster it from different parts of what we know and, and then throw it at the things that we're having problems with in our lives. It's not a weapon against life's issues. Faith doesn't rescue us. Faith guides us. Faith isn't a magical potion thrown at things. Faith is an eternal decision. I am going to do what God tells me to do no matter what. That's faith. When we face tough things in life, when we're going down the road of life and things happen to us, we run into things that we don't necessarily enjoy. Words like, we are trusting in God, come out. Phrases like, we are walking in faith, emerge from the Christian's lips. People look at phrases like that and they say, well, well they're, just being, they're just being optimistic. You know? Maybe in some cases... Justifiably so. But really think about it. There's been times in Carol and I's life that we were financially struggling. We were at pretty much rock bottom. I suppose there could be worse, but there were months literally that we would have enough money in the week to buy a bag of potatoes. And then we would go to the local food bank. And we would get some cheese and we would get some bread. And that's the way we made it through the week. I would tell Carol, even if we have to live in a cardboard box under a bridge, if we have each other, we're going to make it. In those moments, we would say things like, we are trusting in God. We're walking in faith one day at a time. One hour at a time. We didn't say things like, like those because we, we knew that things would get better. We didn't say them because, because God would again someday restore us to prosperity. We didn't say those things just because we tend to be optimistic. It was because no matter what happened, we were going to continue to do what God wanted us to do. No matter what, our actions were going to continue to align themselves to God's commands and to His will for our lives. Faith is not divine 
optimism. You must have the word of God as the basis for your believing and for faith. It's based on God's word and not on optimism. It's the response of the human spirit to the word of God. That's faith. Optimism is a tendency to expect the best or a a favorable outcome among possible solutions. But faith is expressed when we act on God's word. That's when faith is expressed. Look with me at the coolest Old Testament verse on faith. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 is one of the coolest Old Testament verses on faith. Look at it with me. It starts in verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. In all your ways, submit to Him. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, He's the one who will keep you on track. Do not be wise in your own eyes. We don't consult with God. We don't tell God what's best for us. We listen and we obey. Reverently trust that He has our best interests at heart. Faith doesn't rescue us. It guides us. And lastly, biblical faith doesn't just believe in God. It believes God. There's a difference. Look at James chapter 2 and verse 19. It says, you say you have faith. For you believe that there is one God. Good for you. James does one of these. Good for you. Right? Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in fear. They believe in God, but they don't do what he says. Slight tangent here, um, but it sort of leads into to where we're going. There's an ultimate battle going on, a battle between two paradigms, uh, between two theological positions. It's like an ultimate cage fight. Have you ever seen one of those ultimate cage fights? They make me cringe. They just make my stomach ache. I can't even watch them. They're just, they're just bizarre. But anyway, this is almost like that. Except it's theological positions kind of butting heads. I want to show you for a minute the poster children of each side. One's in Ephesus. Or one's in Ephesians, rather. He, uh, Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse um, 8. And nine, it says, you are saved by God's grace. What is grace? Well, it's that unmerited favor. It's something that you don't deserve, that God did for you, right? You are saved by God's grace because of what? Because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something that came from you, right? It's not something you did that you can be proud of. They say that there isn't anything you can do to earn your salvation. Works don't save you. And then we have the other side of the spectrum. We have the, the brawler from the, other, from the other corner come in. James chapter 2 and verse 14. It goes down through verse 26. 
We're not probably going to read all of it, but look at verse, starting in verse 14. It says, What good is it, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If, you, if one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing for their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And then James goes on to say in verse 24, he says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. What? I think Paul and James should just get in the cage and just duke this one out. It sounds to me like they're on completely opposite ends of this spectrum. One says faith saves you. The other one says faith without deeds is dead. It's something you do that saves you. There is no cage match. There is no opposite paradigms. These verses aren't in contradiction to each other. They're talking about two entirely different situations. Two entirely different issues. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, if you just look one verse below, what's Paul go on to say? Look at verse 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And obviously, down in, and, and when he was talking to the Romans in, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Something we do. There's some obedience that comes along with our faith. James writes, Faith without works is dead. Because there are some Christians thinking that they could just coast through spiritually and not really obey anything that God is asking of us. Paul, on the other hand, says, because of your faith, you are saved by God's unmerited favor or grace. Because there are some Christians thinking that they could get into heaven by doing all the right ritualistic righteous works. Does that make sense? Do you get the picture? Do you get the understanding of the difference between the two passages? Biblical faith doesn't just believe in God. It believes God. It believes that God is who he says he is. And he, it's, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because him, he that comes to know God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When God says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith guides us to obey, right? Faith guides us into doing the right thing. When God says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayer won't be hindered, faith guides us to obey. When God says, wives, submit to your husbands, we understand that faith guides us to obey. When the Bible says, children, obey your parents, we get it. That's what faith leads us to. It leads us to obedience. So now we have a basic building block, a basic foundation 
of what faith looks like from a biblical perspective. Trusting God enough to do what he says. Faith isn't what rescues us. It's what guides us. Faith doesn't just believe in God. It believes God. By understanding what it, what it is biblically will help us lay that foundation. Not just for the rest of this sermon, but the rest of the series. Maybe the rest of our lives. But before we wrap up today, we need to do some blasting. There's some things that might have gotten stuck in our heads from the world's perspective on faith. You need to get your dynamite out. Got to do some blasting. What do they holler when they go to do some blasting? Fire in a hole. Something like that, right? Okay, fire in a hole. Don't want you to get surprised by the blasting we're going to do. Six things faith is not. Number one, biblical faith is not the absence of doubt. Yeah, we're going to doubt once in a while. We are. There's going to be times when we doubt. That doesn't mean we don't have any faith. Can you trust God enough to obey Him even when you doubt? Yeah, we can. Number two, biblical faith is not a vivid imagination. Biblical faith is not a vivid imagination. I call this group the name it and claim it group. If you can name the promise, then you can claim it, they say. There's, there's no negative thoughts, just a, a picture of picture what you want to come true, and it will all of the other problems will just melt away. Right? If only I could picture myself healthy. If only I could picture myself with that, with that better job. Faith has nothing to do with your imagination. As the mountain goat decided to go from one side of the rocky cliff to the other. It wasn't his imagination that made him think that he was super goat. And he could do it. If he just thought he could. Mountain goat probably went from this side to that side dozens of times. And he probably made bigger leaps than this one. Multiple times before. He was doing what it is God had intended for him to do. And as he's leaping through space, he's not looking out at the crowd and saying, look at me. He's just doing what it is God wants him to do. He's just being a goat. He's just being a mountain goat. For me, that leap looks like immense faith. But for the goat, it's true faith. Because the goat knows that that's what God intended for him to do. God made him to do those things. Just like each of us. God made us to do things. God made us to be the person that we are. It doesn't take imagination to please God with our faith. Biblical faith is not a vivid imagination. Number three, biblical faith is not believing a set of facts about Jesus. Demons believe, but aren't saved. I think there's a real problem with we, we get people to admit that, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. And, and we get them to believe that he died for them on the cross. And, and we, then we ask them to accept him 
as their Savior. Many churches even ask them to pray a, a prayer to accept them, accept him into their hearts. Jesus didn't go around in his ministry asking people to accept him. He didn't. He asked them to follow him. He didn't ask him to say a little prayer. He, and they were good to go. Jesus said, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Stick around because there are some changes that need to be made. The rich young ruler made his way to Jesus and he said, all of these things I've been doing since I was young. What did Jesus say? Aren't you glad he didn't answer this same way to every person who asked that question? <laughs> We'd be in a world of hurt, right? Well, sort of, if we chose to follow him. Jesus knew exactly what that young man needed. It's not just believing a set of facts. Number four, biblical faith is not a powerful force that manipulates God. Faith healers are manipulating God to change things. People think that if, if they can get enough of it, if they can get enough of it mustered, they can manipulate reality, change God, get God to do what they want rather than what God wants to do. Biblical faith is not a powerful force that manipulates God. Number five, biblical faith is not believing the unbelievable. It's not believing the unbelievable. I know that I have faith when I believe something that I know isn't true. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. It's not about doing crazy stuff to get God to cheer us on. It's not something way out there that doesn't make any sense. You know what? Biblical faith is the most logical thing you can do. Why? Because it's based on evidence. It's based on evidence. If some guy walks up to you in a robe and flowing long hair and asks you to follow him, what are you going to do? I wouldn't follow him either. And I hope Jesus doesn't look like that. Because really, I wouldn't have followed him either. Why did they follow him? Why did those people follow him? Because he came into their town first and he did all kinds of miracles. And he taught with power that they had never seen before. Why did they follow him? Because there was evidence How many of you have bought something online? Raise your hand if you bought something online. <gasps> you bought something online? Did you pay with a credit card? Do you remember the first time you bought something online? Yes. Think back to that moment, that first time you bought something online. Can you remember it? It was scary. I remember feeling very scared about putting in my credit card. It was scary, right? I was like, oh man. This is frightening. These days I do it probably two or three times a week. Pay for something online, pay a bill, do something. Why? Because we've learned to trust. We've learned to figure, we've learned what's safe and what's not safe. Yeah, there's still some scams out there. Yeah, there's still some problems out there we gotta watch out for. But, but overall, think back about that first time. It was a little scary. But based on evidence, based on what's worked in the past, we gain an understanding. When God asks you to step out in faith, it's not going to be totally insane crazy. 
Biblical faith is not believing the unbelievable. And number six, biblical faith is not optimism. We've talked about it a little bit. We think that faith is just looking at everything positively. Well, that's not it. Sometimes faith is the act of obeying God even when you are pretty sure things are going to go not so well. It's doing what God wants you to do even when you know that things probably aren't going to go very well. It's telling the truth even when it's going to probably land you in a mess. It's being honest even when. It's telling the truth even when. Think of all the persecuted Christians. Think of all those killed for their faith. Did they believe God was going to magically save them? Probably not. They knew that their fate was not going to be so great. They knew it was going to end, not going to end well. We know what it is to biblically have a foundation, biblical faith. We've blasted what it's not. What good is faith? Well, it's not really good for anything if we don't do anything about it. Faith needs to be a saving faith. A faith that we can rely on because there's evidence to support it. Trusting Jesus enough to follow him. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's not an intellectual belief. It's not something that's just a mental thing. It's a belief enough to actually do what he says. John chapter 14 and verse 6 is Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This verse describes a way, a path, a direction that we need to go in order to get to God. What's it say? It's through Jesus Christ. It's the only way we're going to get to him. John chapter 13, Jesus lays down like we looked at a minute ago. It says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing that. It's kind of giving him the steering wheel of your life. Have you ever done that while you're driving? I hope you haven't, but I have to admit that I have. You have this big bulky jacket on or this big bulky sweatshirt on and it's hot in the car and everybody else in the car is freezing. So the only natural thing to do is to take off your jacket. And it's very difficult while you're driving to take off your jacket. Matt, plug yours. I've said, Carol, can you hold the steering wheel for a second while I take off my jacket? Right? And some of you would be like, well, she can just drive the rest of the trip from over there because it's probably better than me anyway. But there's oftentimes when I try to hurry, right? Oh man, get this off quick. And the hoodies are the worst that you have to pull over your head because there's actually a full blind spot. There's, you actually, you cannot see. There's, there's, I mean, even if you scrunch it up, you still, there's a portion of your life that flashes before your eyes while she's holding the steering wheel. It's like taking the steering wheel off of the console 
and sticking it in Jesus' hands. That's faith. Allowing him to guide you in each and every aspect of life. Allowing him to take you where he wants you to go. It's not risky. It's not imaginative. It's not scary. He's got our best interests at heart. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 5 says, We can be sure that we know God if we obey his commands. Anyone who says, I know God, but does not obey God's commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if someone obeys God's teaching, then in that person, God's love has truly reached its goal. This is how we can be sure we are living in God. What are you doing with your faith? With your belief? With your trust? Are you trusting Jesus enough to follow him? Are you actually giving him the steering wheel of your life? Is your faith saving you? Or is it confusing you? If you're putting your faith into action, then it is a saving faith. Saving faith or not, I hope it's a saving faith. If we're putting our faith into action, if we're doing something about our faith, if each and every day you can look back and say, you know what? I was doing something with what I believe, with what I trust in, with what I have faith in. I hope that you can say that your faith is a saving faith because it's in action. It's not just sitting around waiting for some mystical, magical thing to happen in life. It's God guiding you into the things that he wants you to get accomplished for him. The goat knew he could do it. He knew he could clear it. Multiple times he'd probably cleared that. To us, to me, that looks monumental. That looks as risky as all get out. But it probably isn't for him. It probably wasn't for him. It was probably just doing what it is that God wanted him to to do if you're putting your faith into action then it's a saving faith thank you for your attention this morning I pray that there's some things that that can be gained from from the scriptures in this this sense of of faith and putting your faith into action and um, I want you to do something with it don't just listen to this message go and do something with it because that's what real faith is all about We'll move into some other aspects of faith, some other aspects of prayer, the, the remainder of this series, and I think it'll be a, a great time. We've got some discussion questions here on the podium. In the podium, now they're on the podium. Semantics. Isn't that what it's called? And we also have kids' classes that are going to happen right now. So... Uh, we will be dismissed in just a few seconds and the kids can go to class and we can break up into small groups, uh, make some circles with the chairs and uh, find some spots where you can um, discuss these things and maybe fo- more fully uh, apply the things that we've looked at this morning. Thank you for being here and thank you for your attention. We have classes going on this evening. Um, at 5 o'clock we have a, a study hall, uh, a youth group and a ladies time, a ladies fellowship class I think is still going on um, if I'm not mistaken. 
And then at 6 o'clock, we have a couples class, a newlywed couples class. And what else is at 6? Just the two? Well, there's child care as well. The prodigies. The little ones. And their class as well. Okay? So those things going on this evening. Um, back again Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, here at the building as well. And um, Olivia is doing much better. Uh, she made it through surgery. And uh, so the doctors are saying all kinds of great things. The, the terms that they're saying are, are wow, and that's amazing, and this is, this is incredible. And those are the words that are coming out of their mouths because she's doing things 10, 12, 13 hours out of operation um, that she shouldn't be doing for several more days. And so they're very, very positive, and um, the doctor said lots of good things. Uh, the surgeon said lots of good things about what, what took place during the surgery, so just to give you a, a slight update on, on Olivia. Um, what else do I need to announce? Mom and Dad, I think, are in, I think they're in San Francisco still. They'll be going to Florida next. Hopefully they wait till that storm gets out of Florida before they get there. Um, heard there was a big storm down in, there in that area. So. All right, what else do I need to announce before we dismiss and go to classes and go to discussion groups? What did I miss? All right, let's be standing. We'll dismiss a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for being our God, for allowing us to be part of who you are and allowing us to, to trust in you, to lead us and guide us in the things that you want us to get accomplished and the things that you want us to do. God, guide our thoughts and guide our, our emotions and guide... Uh, every piece and part of who we are, God, so that we can be a faithful one. We can look back at the end of our lives and say, you know what, I was faithful to my God. I did what he wanted me to do all throughout my life. God, I pray that we can act on those things even today. God, help us to follow through with the things that we know are your will and are your leading in our lives. God, thank you so much for being who you are and allowing us to once again be part of you, allowing us to, uh, to, to take on the blood of Christ for the forgiveness uh, of our sin. God, forgive us when we fail. Give us the strength to do what it is that you want us to do. Give us strength now as we go to class, as we go to discussion groups, to be honest and be real. And God, help us to learn from, from your word even further. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.